Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, brother? I'm doing well. How things are you in? Yeah, pretty good, man. It's starting to snow out here in Chicago. I'm not looking forward to this winter, but, uh, you know, yeah. buckle down, man. Beer gang. That's why I got my beer for that. <laughs> it's an extra scarf. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I also have a, a special guest to announce. We have Terrence Bean on the line. How's it going, Terrence? Man, it's going great. It's great to be here with you, brother, man. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So how many kids you got? What are the ages? And also, what do you do for a living or for a purpose, if you will? Well, man, I'm out here in Houston, Texas, a suburb of Houston called Humble, Texas, which is just north of Houston. And uh, I'm in my 23rd year of being in telecommunication sales. Uh, I spent about 20 years with AT&T. I'm, I'm now with T-Mobile in my second year. So uh, that's what I do for vocation. But uh, I also do youth coaching and youth mentorship. Uh, as a part of my purpose outside of coaching, I mean, outside of work. So I've, you know, I used to coach track 13 years in the community and then also coaching um, football and those type of things and uh, part of big brothers and big sisters. So I've been in that 2.0 mentor program online and then also having a little in my community um, that I interact with uh, twice a month. So I look forward to all those, those opportunities to mentor uh, as well. Uh, I have two of my, I have four kids, two sons uh, that are 23 and 18. Uh, both are playing college football right now. One is at Baylor as a freshman and one is uh, graduated from Kansas University and he's actually playing an additional year at Texas A&M uh, Kingsville. So, you know, we'll follow them every weekend doing their sports and everything here in the fall season. Uh, I also have two daughters. My one daughter graduated from Northwestern State University in North Louisiana, where where that's also my alma mater. Uh, she played volleyball there, and she just graduated and starting her first year working. So she's becoming that that new adult. And then my last girl is a 14 year old. She's a freshman in uh, high school, and she's a volleyball player and club volleyball. So we're very much the sports family, uh, very much the believers family. We you know we spend a lot of time together, church, a lot of time together in sports. And um, yeah, so that's it. That's that's who I am in a nutshell. That's cool, man. How um, so? What was that like raising the athletes? Like um, high level athletes at that. <laughs> it was it was fun, man. It was interesting. It also called when I look back on it, I recognize areas where I have to balance and and level set, you know, and, and do some do some things as a athlete myself to make sure that the dad and the athlete and the, the dad and the coach part was balanced out, you know, cause when I first started out, you know, I was raw, raw and all that. So a, a, a couple of extra things about myself. I, I was a track and field athlete in college. Um, I was a three-time all American in track and field. And I tried out for the Olympics in 96 when it was stateside here in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I didn't make the team, but I was a finalist and it was a great experience. And so I'm very much the football basketball track and all that you know so when I start having little kids and start escorting them through that experience you know I had to balance out the hole between the coach and dad you know so my older kids got the tougher version and the, you know my younger kids kind of you know got a better a better balanced dad but it was fun because the things we did we were able to do them all as a family you know when I coached track my everyone was together on Saturday we did it as a family when I coached football, my boys played, my girls cheerleaded, you know, so it was 
you know, we just all did most of those things as a family. So that was a that was a good a cool part about it. That was a good thing. So tell me about your uh, it's your experience being a dad. So from the first time you heard that you're about to be a dad to uh, number four coming, like what was the uh, I guess the biggest difference in those uh, yeah. uh, those uh, experiences? And that's a fantastic question because for my first time understanding that I would be a dad or even thinking about being a dad was fear. And it was an overwhelming fear because I came out of an abusive uh, relationship with my dad. Um, so I lived with my grandmother, uh, my, my maternal grandmother, I guess you will. I had a mother and father, but they just weren't together. And, and uh, my dad was the provider, but I didn't live with him. He had, you know, I had siblings and he had a family in a different place. And then my mom was was separate. So um, I, I came out of a, you know, a tough situation. So it was all about trying to provide a better situation for my family. But I didn't know if I had the skill set to do that. So my first indication was fear. I, I don't want to be my dad. How am I going to do this? How am I going to be better? Uh, as I became, you know, for my first son and through the evolution of my other kids, uh, as a dad, I, you know, I had to figure it out. I had to um, make adjustments and do things. I had to purposely go and increase my 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 skills as a dad. Um, and I have a thing in my head that I call the parental bag. And when my dad reached in his parental bag, he had, you know, ass whooping. That's 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 the thing that he had, and that was it. You know, and he got instantaneous results, so he never expanded his bag. As me, I wanted to have prayer. I wanted to have time out. I wanted to have conversation. I wanted to have teachable moments. I wanted to have, you know, you know, just other things that I can manage my kids with and that I can have a better relationship with my kids other than just raw disciplinary action. So I had to go and learn a lot of those things because I didn't understand it. I had to go and learn more about affection and those things because I and I'm still not good at that, but I didn't get that affection and stuff for my for my dad or for my parents. Um, so I was missing those those type of things. And so I had to go be purposeful about being more educated and I had to be more purposeful about offering grace to my kids and being able to expand how I manage and handle my kids versus just being a disciplinarian. So that was that was how I evolved with being more graceful, I mean, offering more grace, being more understanding, utilizing a wider range of skills other than just anger and, and, and corporate punishment, I guess, if you will, as I evolved, you know, along the line of my, my kids. Did you ever, like, talk to your dad about um, the way that he raised you, or, like his way of going about disciplining you? Yeah, I did. Later in life, uh, my dad was hard man for a while. And so during my older teen years and younger adult years where I was off to college and all that, I did that experience all on my own. So it was just a breath of fresh air to be away from my, my parents or to be away from my dad and other people. I was literally walking through that stage of life on, on my own other than some friends and, fam you know, and extended family. But later on in life, uh, I got a chance to talk to him and I got a chance to understand more. But it was only when I started to look beyond my dad or to start to understand more about, I asked myself the question one day, where did this start? Like, this couldn't have just started with him. What did he go through that caused him to be the man that he is? And maybe if I can understand him better, I can be able to offer grace to him and I can be able to recognize, you know, um, you know, there's something more that I'm missing 
and that we can start reconciling with each other. And that's when I started thinking of things more about generational curses, about how dysfunction impacts a, a person or a man and how he manages his family or how he responds and those type of things. I, as a younger man, as, as a younger teenager, a younger adult, I didn't understand those things. As I started to understand more about them and I saw my dad from a different view, um, then I was able to communicate with him. I was able to forgive him. I was able to have a conversation with him. And I was hopeful that he could have a relationship with his grandkids that he didn't have with me and maybe have a second chance at some of those things. But unfortunately, he passed away before he was really able to step into some of those things. But I can say about six months before him passing, we, we, we reconciled our relationship. I, I was able to see him and help him be saved and, and have a different change so that he could, you know, leave this life different than the way he operated in it. So that was, that was a, that was a blessing. That's good. Are you the only child or did you have your siblings? It's funny because I grew up like I was an only child because I lived with my grandmother. Uh, we lived kind of like in the hood, if you will. My dad was a blue collar worker, but my dad earned fairly well because of the type of work he did. He was a longshoreman and in the Houston area at the port, you know, there's always good work for men at the at the port of Houston. Um, so he, he was always made good money. So he lived out in the area where I live now, which was considered a nicer area back then. Not even a lot of black families, you know, but he was there with this family and he had two sons and a daughter. So even though I had three other siblings, then we we have a great relationship now. We we started really learning each other more as adults and and uh, finding more about each other as adults or young adults. But growing up, we didn't spend much time around each other because I literally grew up separate from them. So I grew up as if I was an only child, even though I had siblings in, in other places. But now I'm very much, you know, my siblings and I are very much connected. We all pretty much live. At least uh, all of us, except one, we live pretty much in the same area. What um, what lessons did your like growing up with your grandmother provide you about being a dad? Or did you get anything from from your grandmother as far as wisdom as you know as being a dad? Man, I got I got all the game from my grandmother, but I don't know how much about necessarily about a dad. But people always said, even as a young guy, I was, I was an old soul, you know. And sometimes mm -hmm. they say that about people who grew up under their grandparents. Grandmother told me taught me about, you know, how to cook and how to do stuff for yourself, how to take care of yourself. She taught me my first introduction to spirituality, you know, where mm -hmm. she would take me to church all the time. She helped me understand about having a relationship with God. Um, you know, grandma told me, showed me some of the first unconditional love because she was in her 60s when I was in my single digit age and they were sacrificing to take care of me and doing things I needed. And so when I look back on that, I understood that sacrificial love and that unconditional love that she provided. But she talked the old game. You know, she talked about she was born in 1917. So she talked about things she walked through and segregation and things she walked through and and parenting and uh you know, just all kind of things, man. And, and I held my grandmother in such a high, high esteem. And I only knew her as an elder that as I was doing some of that soul searching of, about my dad that I mentioned, I, I had to find out the tough way that grandma and grandpa wasn't always older. They were younger. And when they were younger, they had some lifestyles and some characteristics and some things that added into the trauma that my dad experienced, which i.e. made him, you know, who, who he was. So I had to do a tough, a, a tough swallow and understand 
how my how grandma and grandpa was when they were a little younger, you know, mm-hmm. like uh like the club, like to play poker, like to do things or whatever. And they had 10 kids and you know, the kids were growing up and sometimes kids were having to fend for themselves or, you know, just different things. It's a different story, mm-hmm. but you know, it just I had to look see them in a in a different light. But before that, and even now, my grandma's golden. Grandma was like untouchable, but she was the person that took me in and loved me and protected me. And, you know, she she taught me the game. She taught me everything I needed to know to be, you know, just those little grandma things, right? I mean, you make your bed hard, you're going to lay it. You know, she taught me little stuff like that that I had no idea. What does that mean? Like, now I don't know, I know 100% what that means, you know? Um, so don't burn your bridges and all that kind of stuff. She just taught me so much game that helped me, uh, in, you know, to this day. You know, she, I could, she still speaks to me to this day, and she's been gone a long time. So, um, so do you feel like uh, your involvement with like mentoring and being a part of Big Brother Big Sister does that core like coincide with like things that you went through growing up? Um, I just know I just feel like I have something to offer, you know. Mm-hmm. With uh, sometimes from it's from a testimony standpoint, sometimes it's just offering something that I know is not out there um, in abundance when it comes to dealing with kids and those type of things, especially around sports. You know, my, my uh, objectives for coaching kids and my objectives for doing things are different than the average person. You know, I'm not trying to win Super Bowls or win whatever. I'm trying to, I'm trying to empower, I'm, you know, my coaching is two words, fun and fundamentals, you know, so I'm trying to do certain things that I feel like are missing uh, from the mentality of, of kids and from, you know, Whatever I'm not, I tell men. I used to tell guys that dealt with my sons, "Hey, I'm not. I'm not trying to build monsters. I want men. I don't want somebody that's so robotic and monstrous and, and dynamic and overwhelming at football that he can't be a husband later on in life. You know, he can't be a, a mentor because he doesn't have balance. So I just always understood a little bit about balance and about certain things, and I wanted to try to bring that to other people in the way that I could. I just felt like that was a part of my purpose and so even though I felt like from a vocational standpoint I'm not working in my purpose it was it was um beneficial for me to be able to after work come home and feel like I'm doing something that's purpose-driven and something that's giving back uh and it just felt natural so that that was my reasoning for for doing that and for for also you know continuing to do it in some form factor I'm not currently coaching right now because I stepped back just to focus more on a critical time in my own kids. I have sacrificed some of my own kids moments because of me coaching the larger group of kids and all those type of things. So, you know, when I was trying to get my sons ready for college and that, I stepped back a little bit so I could offer that focus to my, to my own home, to my own kids, uh, and also take the, a little break because I was getting a little overloaded. But, uh, yeah, I, I still always have a, have a hand in something somewhere where I can help kids and, Another thing I love to do is help young men get into college. So where where parents don't understand the whole recruiting process and some of that stuff, I try to help help with that as well. Okay. So earlier you said something just a few minutes ago that kind of uh, stuck with me a little bit. And um, you said when you were describing your grandmother, you said that she protected you. Right. Um, and that's something I've been thinking about, like in society, especially as men, but especially as black men. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we don't get protected. 
Right. So can you talk about that a little bit more and like how the impact that had um, the impact that had on you? Yeah, I think the opposite of that, what you just said, is what I heard someone use a term, the demasculinization of, of the man. Right. Yeah. And some of us grew up in environments where, you know, when the woman was over us, we kept getting spanked and brutalized or whatever. And some of that was because we were the lasting image of the father that had done something to the to the to the lady or to the mom or whoever. And you were taking the short end of that. So my grandmother being a grandmother where my dad was you know, the angry person sometimes or where my mom was the abandoned, you know, I felt abandoned from my mom and abused by my dad. So she was the, she was the balancing force between that. Uh, you know, she didn't allow me to endure too much on one side where she could control it. Uh, and, and not on the other side where she could control it. So I just knew I had a safe place. I knew I had provision. I knew I had the things I needed and it was a place where I can relax and kind of chill and not be on on edge because you know in my environment I would have to be that with one parent versus the other so she was protect, very protective in that manner things she would say you know she'd fight for you she'd argue at somebody about you and yeah, I didn't realize it then but that's important you know it's just as important as you having a male son saying man I'm proud of you hey man that was awesome that was great man I love you you know I missed some of those opportunities before but I recognize how impactful they are uh, right now, I, I can watch a movie today and see a mom just like going hard for her son, just like hugging him or doing something. And I still at 46 years old feel the impact of that abandonment because I'm like, hey, I didn't get that. I missed that, you know. So some of the things I was missing, I did get that from my grandmother and I did felt like she was very defensive uh, of, over me. And it felt good, you know, to have someone like standing up for you and, and defending you like that. So um, my question to you is in regards to your kids. So the similarities between us is that we all have sons and daughters uh, on this right. call. Um, was there a difference between your approach, between how you, uh, you know, parented your sons versus your daughters, or was it pretty much set the same across the board? Now, if I'm being honest, I would say it's, it was probably a difference. I'm sure it's a difference because, and again, there was a, there was a whole evolution of me and parenting and how I started out versus, you know, where I am now. So my wife has definitely pointed out some places where, Hey, you did that with the boys or you told the boys that, but you wouldn't have told the girls that or vice versa. Right. So football was always one thing that was different than, than uh, whatever sports my girls were in either volleyball or, 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 or track and field. Um, Definitely when it came to like the girls versus the boys and like, the, you know, I, I tried, everyone had to be 16 years old b before they dated, uh, whether they actually did it or not, that was the rule, you know, and, and uh, I tried to manage the same way accordingly. But yeah, that was probably some places where I was more overprotective of my daughters uh, or I was harder on my sons, you know, in, in a certain instance, but I started learning and it's weird. I'm pretty sure everybody on this call with kids can attest. It's almost uh, amazing to see that kids that come from the same parents in the same home are completely different. You know, you can have three or four kids and they all be completely different. It's like yeah. you came they were you raised in literally the same home, you know? And so uh, my older son, uh, struggled with ADHD and anxiety. And I started recognizing he needs something different for me, you know, in terms of what parenting looks like, you know, I have some daughters that they're academics and all that stuff. You don't even have to ask them a question. They're on top of it. They're with it. 
And then, but in another area of life, you might have to parent them differently in other, in other social areas or whatever the case may be. So I started to learn more to individualize my relationships with my kids. I'm very purposeful in taking one of my kids somewhere to lunch or one of my kids somewhere to dinner so I can have that one-on-one time with them. And it's not always just the family of six together so that, you know, we can get that individuality and that, you know, that, that one-on-one conversation. So I would probably say, and honestly, I did to a certain degree, but my intention is to be as um, level as I can with all the kids, but offer them the specific things that they need. Because what I learned in coaching is there's so many kids that are that are different. You know, uh, back in the older days, you know, you'd have a kid and oh, that kid is just bad. You know, well, now some that kid might just have an attention deficit or that kid might just have some struggles at home or the kid might just have some some other thing that they're dealing with that hadn't been identified yet. So we have to have the, the grace and the and the ability to understand. And, and then and we as the adults have to be flexible enough to help them and to, and to move and, and flex where they can. That's the biggest thing that's been missing, that was missing for me and I think other people from how we grew up and how we were parented back in the day to today. We had to make all the adjustments. The parents said, do this. You know, I remember, my, I remember being told, you ain't got no wants. You know, I never eat, I don't eat fish today, but I had to eat fish when I was growing up because parents were like, no, you eat fish, eat it. You know, so now sometimes there are some moments our kids can't pivot. They can't flex. They don't have the ability to make, to do this yet. And as parents, we have to have the flexibility and the grace to be able to do that for them and, and, and bring them along. Uh, I remember you know, and we have to ask ourselves this question sometimes. Uh, you, everyone knows that moment in the store where some kid freaks out in the store, right? They have a temper tantrum. And so you, back in the day, I remember you get tore up doing that, you know, but when I, at one point I asked myself, am I, am I interacting with my kid or about the discipline of my kid because of the onlookers? Do I owe the onlookers or the people who are who are in, who are witnessing this something or do or is this about my kid? Is this about me and my kid and what I know and understand about my kid? So if they freak out, but I know they struggle with something, I got to have the flexibility and the grace for them in that moment to be teachable, to stay calm, to do whatever the case, and not just respond to somebody else so I can show I'm in control of this, right? Because that's what it used to be about. And I had to learn those things as I as I grew more into being a father and I definitely don't have it all together man not by a long shot but I'm just these are things I'm just learning and looking at and and trying to to, uh input into my parenting and I I went back to my older son I apologize like man some of these things you needed for me I wasn't offering them I didn't have that skill set or I didn't have that in my parental bag I'm going to do better with you as the parent of a young adult versus how I how I did as a teenager because I didn't understand all what comes with my first teenage, or I didn't understand what comes with with anxiety or with hyperactivity, you know. But but now I do, and I'm going to try to do a better job at it. So I, I would um, encourage many dads, man, to to understand what each of their kids go through, and if there's any difference with them, and then educate themselves and increase their skills on how to do a better job of parenting each individual kid based on what what they need from you. Yeah, it's definitely not a one size fits all. Right. Yeah. Definitely not. And especially when you're parenting and then all of a sudden your first kid hits teenager, you gotta learn how to parent all over again. Like it's a different parenting skill set from having young kids to having to having uh teenagers and then also having 
young adult kids. And some of those things, those traumas in your life or those early mindsets, you won't realize you come face to face with them when you're looking at an adult son in the face or an adult daughter in the face versus a young kid. It's a different it's just a different ball game. So um, yeah, we gotta we gotta increase our bag. We gotta increase our skill as as you know as parents. So one thing I'd love to say, I know we're doing kind of Q and A, but one thing I I would be remiss if I didn't say here because it was probably one of the most revolutionary things as a parent that I heard uh, over the last couple of years, and it's helped me tremendously, and it's helped a lot of people that I've talked to tremendously. And I'd love to just mention it here, you know, uh, outside of the format that we're in. Uh, I was I was uh, worried about um, my older son in the situation. He was 11 hours away from home. You know, me being the dad, I'm worrying and worrying about is he okay and is he going through this and that. I, again, I know he struggles with some anxieties and some things, and so I was just worrying you know, as a parent. And someone said to me, they said this phrase, and it changed a lot. They said, "Man, don't you know God doesn't have any grandchildren? He just all he has is kids. All he has is children. Just like you're his son." My oldest son's name is Isaiah. Isaiah is his son. No different. It's like you can't do any more for your son than what his heavenly father is going to do for him. He trusted you to steward over him, you know, so you're not going to do any more for him than he's going to do. You just got to keep doing what you're supposed to do. You did a good job and trust that he's going to do that. Now, I say all that on the premise, again, of me being a believer. So I know everyone is not believers and all that. I love and trust and believe in God. And that's been a, a revolutionary turning point in my life. So that that's impactful to me. So to be reminded that it doesn't matter if my son is two feet away from me or, or 2,000 miles away, at the end of the day, I'm not his ultimate authority and I don't have the closest relationship with him. It's his heavenly father. And so, man, that let me off the hook from worrying myself to death a lot of nights and a lot of times on certain stuff. You know, it's like, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He doesn't have any pass-through relationships that he has to rely on. He, he has direct access and, and direct love for your son just like he does for you. Y'all are both his sons. So that really, really helped me. And, man, that changed a lot in how I, how I worry about my kids or how I think about things and just remember that everything is ultimately not in my control. And, and you know, I don't have to bear that weight all the time as a, as a parent. And, and I know a lot of time parents do. They bear that weight when their kids are distant from them or they bear that weight when their kids, is, you know, struggles with anything and whatever. But, you know, it's not all your weight to bear. So I just want to share that. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. So really what you just said made me think about my next question for you. Um, and it's like, um, you know, John uh, 316, right? That's right. Kind of like one of the most famous you know, uh, right. uh, from the Bible. Right. So do you feel like you've um, had to sacrifice anything for your children? Man, I think parenting is the ultimate sacrifice. I, th I think parenting is like 90% sacrifice and 10% everything else. So a good parent knows how to be a good sacrifice. You sacrifice your time. You sacrifice your resources. You sacrifice your position. You know, again, that, that understanding, okay, if there's a stalemate here, maybe I'll take a step back. That's new parenting. That, dads didn't take a step back. Dad pushed you back, right? There are some times where there's a moment and I'm, I'm right. I will be rightful in my correction. I have to pause. And right now I'm going to go for anger and discipline, but that's not going to get 
the job done that I really want to get done? What if I come back in the morning, still cover the same things and say, man, that, 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 um, and I also got used to saying, recognizing my kids when they hurt my feelings. And I was disappointed in that. Oh, man, this hurt my feelings. And we come back and talk. And instead of going for a discipline moment, I go for a teachable moment. I started getting better results out of that, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think that, and that's a sacrifice for me. That makes me swallow my pride. That makes me do some things. So I think parenting is a ton of sacrifice. I looked each one of my kids in the face and I said, I will not pay for you to go to college. Pause. <laughs> you, are, you are intelligent enough and you're athletic enough to go earn a scholarship. And I told them with enough lead time that they're well aware and they get on it. My sacrifice is all the coaching, all the pay, this amount of money for that, this amount of all the investment. I expect the return on investment. You don't owe me anything. I just want to put you in the right situation to, to earn like my son. When he enrolled early in Baylor, like, hey, I did my part. Now you can go be a, a tall, handsome, clean, never touch the field, mastered uh master in, in in medicine in four years or whatever or now you can take this and go try to get in the nfl or whatever but i've done my part which is get you here on a four-year nli ready to you know get all the education you can and take on the world right so yeah it's i sacrifice to get into that point and i think parent is just the ultimate sacrifice but i think also one of the places that we miss it in terms of men and i know we're talking about parenting but but a major backdrop to this is as a husband, right? So I've also looked my kids in the face and said, you are not my first priority. Pause. <laughs> your, your, your mom is, my wife. Now I got to understand, I got to be better at it. I got to be a better husband, but I'm not the best husband by a long shot, but I've said in my mind and I've announced to my kids, you guys are a gift to our marriage. So at some point, you guys are going to go off on your own and do your own thing. You're going to go cleave to somebody else. But me and your mom are it. I've had to look at my sons and say, hey, before this was your mom, this is my wife. So in other words, I'll jack you up over my wife. Like, watch what you say and what you do, right? Because you just know her as mom, but this is my wife. So the same way I do another dude off the street, you might fall into that category if you are a threat to my wife. And then they had the most puzzling look, but they understood it. And I hope they feel the same way about their wife because we've always taught them biblically and we've always taught them, tried to teach them the right way. So yeah, the sacrifices are there, but if your sacrifices are grossly over, over what they are as a husband, if your priorities and all that are about your kids, even as a mom, if your mom is like, my kids, is, I mean, if the mom is like, my kids is all this, whatever, and my husband fall back, I got to take care of my kids, whatever, that's out of order. That's out of, that's, that's, uh, you know, yeah. the priorities are off. So yeah, make a gross sacrifice for your kids because they force they force themselves as a, you know, because you're responsible for them and they, they have a need, they force themselves as a priority. But if you lose the fact that your spouse is your ultimate priority, then you're going to be jacked up, especially when the kids leave the house and they vacate the premises. And now you're looking at a stranger because for the last 24 years, we've been invested in something that had nothing to do with us. And now that they're gone, we don't have any definition of why we're together. So don't sacrifice so hard that you over-sacrifice your, your first important covenant, which is your marriage. How would you say uh, being a dad has uh, helped you as a husband? Um, man, you know, the love part of it is tough. I remember my kids being younger and my wife was like, hey, you know they want you to tuck them in bed, right? 
Like they want to go lay down and they want you to pull the covers up over them and they want you to give them a kiss. And that was the toughest, man, that was like the toughest thing ever. Just because I didn't understand what that what that was, I never felt it. And then when I did it, it felt kind of weird, you know, but my wife had to be the person that pointed that out to me. My wife told me. So my wife has definitely helped me to be a much better, you know, dad and 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 uh, all that and husband. But, you know, the things you learn with your kids and you try to have a balance. You always got to remind yourself: if I'm going this hard for my kids, I got to go even harder for my my marriage. Um, if I'm sacrificing this manner, I got to keep it balanced on this side. So, if I would say, if anything, it helps with the balance, and it just helps remind you, man, that it takes teamwork sometimes to um, to to make it work, to to make it happen. That's why I'm so. Uh, I read a, a book this year called Fathered by God. One of the other revolutionary things I've done. This year, I believe for me, Father by God by John Eldridge. And it, it helped me understand the idea of the complete, the incomplete man. So all of us were designed to be ushered into manhood by some by an, our dad or another male. Many of us didn't because we were in a broken home, a, a home that where the dad wasn't there. So there was no balance. There was no ushering into manhood by another male unless you had an uncle or a mentor that did that. And so most of us as men are incomplete and out of balance. And so that's where a lot of my thought is this year on, on talking with men and some of those other things. We, we miss several steps in being ushered into manhood and we can never, we, we'll still be incomplete unless we go back and fill those, those gaps. Right. So part of my, my out of balance is helped balance by my wife where I don't have some of those balances and I can't offer them to my kids. My, my wife helps with that balance and, and helps teach me, you know, that there is a deficit or there's a void there. And so we're able to walk through it together and, and you know, get the sacrifices and get the, the relationships right. Again, we don't do it well, do it, you know, we don't master it. There's always ups and downs. I have my my moments. and But at the end of the day, again, I see progress and I'm seeing getting better. I talk a lot about parenting with grace. A lot of grace was missing from some of my earlier parenting. I'm trying to make sure I parent and I coach with a lot of grace. I try to always remind myself that all kids are not made the same. Even my four kids in my home, they need a different thing from each person. So that requires you to be more skillful. That requires you to be more tuned in. That requires you to be more flexible or whatever is needed because it's not all on the kid. A lot of it is on the father and, and you're built to handle it. You, you're built to do it. Um, I talked to some men that have kids with ADHD just because of understanding what that dynamic is, especially when anxiety is a part of it. And man, it's, it can be overwhelming. But I remind them, man, you're built for this. Like God put you in this position to steward this kid because you can do it and not because you don't have it, but it's going to break something else out of you. And that's the tough part. That's the, that's the hard process. You can do it, but you don't feel like you can because a part of this, you haven't broken out, but that's what this process for is. It's not just for the kid, it's for you. A lot of this stuff is always double-edged. It's, it's you're helping someone or you're doing something, but it also breaks something out or elevates something inside of you. So I'm trying to be mindful of that as I go through these processes to be patient and to try to make sure, you know, I can, I can get the right thing out of these processes that are coming through. And generational curses and dysfunction are a big topic when we're talking about parenting because I believe generational curses are real. I believe there are, there are things in our, in our family's bloodline and inheritance that have rolled down for generations that we have to deal with. And then we can't overlook any of the dysfunction we had from a broken home or from an abusive relationship 
Uh, so many men have been sexually abused. You'd be amazed. No one is talking about it, but there are a ton of people. I was in a group of 25 guys talking and 18 of the 25 men talked about being sexually abused. It blew my mind. I had no idea that that was what that would have been the case. Uh, and it's all different, but it all has a different impact. So the, all of those things, believe it or not, add into how you parent, you know, and, and, and how balanced you are and how flexible you are to manage another human life, you know? So uh, again, there's a lot of rich, there's a lot of stuff there, you know? Yeah. I, I know that you said that you, um, you tried to parent your children differently, or you like tried to parent based on their different personalities, but um, did you have like a favorite child? Uh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> man, with that's the cliche answer, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> a right that's, that's, that's a setup right there. That's a setup right there. You can't play that card no different than that. Yeah, all of my kids is the favorites. All of them, I love them the same. They all, they just all different, man. They all bring something different to the table. Uh, I can't say there's some, some rely, um, need less than others. Others need a little more. And that's okay. That's perfectly fine. I was hearing some lady was talking one day and it's a general mindset for some people, but she was like, baby, you finna, when you 18, you're going to get out of here. You know, just, we've heard that before, right? You grown, you're going to get on out of here. You got to go. But I recognize some of my kids are going to need, may lead a little different than that. And that's okay. As long as you're on a pathway, as long as you understand the respect of our home, as long as you've got a goal and we're helping you through it, I want to help you with what you need. I'm not going to preset a limitation or preset what, what I'm going to do based on, and all my kids are different. My one daughter, she's off living in Dallas, has a job, and she's she's starting out. You know, she's on a pathway. Um, one of my other sons is is a year older, but he's still in school, and he he was he was working, but he that football itch was still bugging. I'm like, hey man, let's let's get your health checked. If you're good, go go run at your dream. Go do what you're going to do. Get it out of your system, man. We're going to support you. We're going to do whatever you know we need to do because you can't come back to this. And as a parent, we have to sacrifice and say, man, I'll, I'll, I'll underwrite you for another year or two because I know what it means to not have your, to, to, to not have your tank empty, right? You know, someone said the other day, and I agree with it, I don't want to die with seeds still in my pockets or, or, or un, you know, unmanifested dreams still in my heart or whatever. So if you, if my kids have dreams or have whatever they need, I want to help them run at them. I want to help them try to, you know, try to tackle them. So, all of them are different. I love them all the same. You know, they some of them require a little more. Some of my heart beat a little different if a phone rings, if the phone call comes in in terms of what's on the other end of it. But I, I wouldn't trade any of them, you know, because they've all helped me to be who I am. And, and God gave them all to me for a specific reason. So, you know, uh, they, they all that my, my uh, as uh, Sir Roy said, that my cookie cutter is, yeah, they're all, all the same. I love them all the same. On my insurance policy, if me and my wife go down, <laughs> if me and my wife headed to Jamaica, we both go down, it's 25, 25, 25 for all the four kids. Ain't nobody, it ain't no big, big numbers or small numbers. <laughs> great which answer, your, great answer. Which one of your kids is most like you and um, which one is, which one of your kids is the least like you? It, it's funny, but it's funny because they have moments where they're all the most like me in certain ways. Uh, my, my youngest son, Elijah, uh, if I'm being honest, probably has a closer personality than me when I was his age because we were both silly. We were both highly entertaining. 
you know, uh, you know, we, we don't, we, there's not an audience we're afraid of, you know, and, and people like being around us because we, you know, because we can be the clown of the day. So he, he, he's like that. And, and, and uh, like that of me and some of the vanity, you know, he's feeling himself right now because we got his little muscles and his little six pack or whatever. So he allergic to all his shirts, you know? So I, I remember going through that phase when I first freshman, sophomore year in college when my body started to change. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, you know, so he's that like me in that regard. Most of them have my sense of humor in some way or another. Some of them are quiet like me. I mean, all of them carry certain characteristics the way I am. Uh, as you know, they just show it all in different ways. And so I think that it's spread out across them evenly, you know. All right, cool. I know we um, I know we getting close to time and I know you handling business right now, so we don't want to uh, keep you from that. So I have one last question. So uh, like when it's all said and done for you, what would you want your wife and your, your children to, to say about you? Man, uh, that he was a good man. Uh, I told my sons, I said, man, if I'm on my dying bed and if I could say one last thing to you, I would say, man, be a good man. Uh, I know that's kind of vague and it, and it leaves some to a certain interpretation, but at the end of the day, your name is more important than anything else. Bob says your name is more important than silver and gold. What have you, what have you done to be good? What have you done for others? You know, what have you done to be a, have, have an impact on people other than yourself? And there's so many shady people. There's so many characters. There's so many misrepresentation, especially as black men. There's so many misrepresentations of us. Don't be the guy that adds to that. Be the guy that revolutionary that makes the hard pivot, that makes a hard repent against what the stereotypical person that looks like you. You got your dreadlocks, you got your tallness, your body, whatever. But at the end of the day, you're literally an asset to every situation you walk into. You're literally a blessing to people that you that you impact and that you come in contact with. You're you're trusted, you know, and your favor impacts other people. You know, you put yourself in a position to be generous, put yourself in a position to care, be an encourager for the for those that are even encouragers. You know, I like to encourage the encouragers. So like you guys, you guys have a platform, you're doing something positive, but it doesn't mean that you're, you don't have the regular um, distractions and ails of life. So I want to say, man, well done. Congratulations, man. Keep keep pushing and keep bringing this content. Keep doing the things that you guys are doing because it's needed. And we have such a margin to recoup. We have such a deficit to close because there have been so many years where homes have been broken, uh, so many years where the fathers have been missing. There are so many incomplete men that look like us that are walking around. And how do we close that gap? How do we how do we help that deficit? And we got to have a multiplier effect that helps us gain ground, that helps us catch up. Uh, I think the, uh, someone mentioned this, and I remember, it. I think the ESPN analysts I think his name is Chris. I forget the name, the light-skinned guy from Louisiana. And I think he said, he, he had a quote that says, one of the most revolutionary things that a black man can do is get married, is fall in love, get married, and, and build a home and stay in that home and keep it whole. Like, in other words, rebuilding homes and, and uh, st solid, stable homes, what we didn't have for mass majority of our time, will help revolutionize our position and what we do going forward. Because our sons need us, our daughters need us, our communities need us, but it's enough jokers out there. We need some good, solid, trustworthy, generous, 
fundamentally sound, you know, led by some higher power that keeps them level and on track men that are helping us to go, you know, into the future. That's good stuff. Yeah. And um, my last question is a question I already asked you, Terrence. And uh, you gave a good answer. I'm going to read it to you. I asked you, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And uh, you said the, the cornerstone of the family, opportunity to steward good citizens, and the most important piece to the community culture post-childbirth. Can you yeah. elaborate a little more? Yeah, and I think that was kind of reiterate. I'm glad it matched what I just said, like yeah. in closing <laughs> thing, you know. So yeah, the cornerstone of the family, man. Imagine the family so many years without its cornerstone, you know, the visionary, the leader, you know, the the person that that should be, you know, having a heavy impact on the family, um, you know, and being able to carry that forward in, in, in the right manner. And, you know, the family starts first and then it goes out into the community with a strong family, strong household, you have a strong community, you know, with a strong community, you have a strong church and you have a strong, everything else you need, you know, before you notice, I ain't even got to, I ain't said government yet. It starts with the home. If the home is strong and solid and the community is strong and solid, and the churches are strong and solid, those things, I mean, you're gonna get everything you need from that core. But when the home is distraught, when the home is broken, when the home is not is not in order, the other things are gonna be out of order as well. So I definitely, I definitely stand on that and I believe that, you know, um, some of the things I'm learning at 46, I wish I would have known at 18, 19, but we can now put the information out there for the younger generation and try to get them started on a, on a better path more quickly find a you know find one woman love her build a home with her you know you ain't got to be all over the place you know i remember people asking me questions about promiscuity they weren't asking me about building a home or being you know telling me about good man good values you know so we need to start spreading that word you know uh, i was watching toby newigley and uh you know rap artist from houston and he just has this whole artistic vibe about him uh, he has a whole statement, but he one of his lyrics in his song, because everything he does is with his wife and, and with his, his younger kid. And he's like, if you book me and I can't bring my wife and kids, don't book me. You know, so he's trying to put out a message that to revolutionize the hip hop industry that says, hey, man, I, I'm from the neighborhood. I still talk my little talk, but I'm, I'm also about building a home and building something. He's talking entrepreneurship. He's talking building a brand and he's talking my family being rock solid at, at uh, at no expense, you know, at uh, no cost, my family is going to be straight. So uh, that's where we need to spread that that type of word, so we can build, get that cornerstone back in place and build build great families. Yeah, awesome. This has been great, man. Um, Doctor Young, what do you think, man? I think this is another one, man. Another another classic, another Hall of Famer. What you think, man? Yeah, it's a, it's a Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer for sure. <laughs> Yeah, what, was your, it, what was your jersey number, man? I gotta, I gotta make sure I hang up the right jersey, man. <laughs> man, I don't know track. We didn't have jersey. I think when I was playing basketball, I was fifty, but but I ain't go forward in basketball, man. I was, you know, I was track. But no, I appreciate it, man. I, I'm so glad I got the opportunity to meet with you guys. Uh, I'm on a call every Monday nights called Where Men Hurt. It's just a small group of guys that started in the barbershop. We just have open safe safe space for men to talk. And I tell them, man, I said, man, these, these brothers from Chicago, man, I was on their call and they had some sharp cats on there, man. They just, they were doing some good stuff. So um, Andrew Landry is over that group, Where Men Hurt. Again, it's just a great place for men. You know, it's just a conversational group. 
And then also one of the gentlemen on there, his name is Donald Morton. And he has a project out of Delaware called the Remand Project. And it's just trying to help men, uh, you know, recruit missed potential, you know, and help build good men and help them find that sweet spot between entrepreneurship, hug, being a, a, a husband and father and being a man, you know, that just being able to find that, 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 our, that great area that where you don't sacrifice for any of it, but you have it all. So, yeah, I love, man, getting connected with groups and people and men that are pushing forward the, the right direction. I'm learning so much and I'm, and I'm so inspired. So I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate you taking, taking the time out and sharing your story, man. You know, you definitely have a unique story. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we were able to talk about it and put it out there. I think it's got oh. a lot of people, a lot of, uh, lot of gems to pick up you know i mean you left a lot of gems in this one <laughs> thank you man i appreciate it I'm, thank you I'm, I'm, no problem i'm trying to discipline myself to start thinking and start writing some books I, in my iphone i got so many book titles uh and i just got to start discipline myself to start working on it i think there's some stuff there to be shared i think the testimony is important so uh yeah i, I would i hope that's part of my future and if you want to have anybody reach out to you it would be the best place to to reach out to you Man, I'm I'm not too uh, wide on social media. I'm just on Facebook, Terrence Bean. Um, you know, I don't have man on LinkedIn, Terrence Bean. That's really you know, I'm, I'm kind of a fuddy dud that way. But uh, you know, that, you know, that's I'm just simple. I don't have the Instagrams and everything else. But uh, you know, I'm on Facebook and I'm on LinkedIn. So um, I'm starting to think about you know doing maybe just a couple of videos and uh, and put some things out there. If I do, I'll probably expand. Uh, the one I'm working on right now is, is called Can You Fight? And it's this whole premise of as men, we're, we're functional and we can fight physically. But when the spiritual battle come to us or when the, the emotional battle come to us, you know, we we're typically usually not as strong or not as motivated to fight as if someone's kicking at our door. Right. So can you fight in that other regard? And so, I'm, I, you know, I want to start trying to dig into myself and put some short content out there that can help other people. Yeah, that's great, man. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Dr. Yanni, do you have anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I know the question is or anything. Uh, again, I just want to thank you, Terrence, for, for doing this for us. Uh, I really yeah. had a good time in, in this interview. This was probably one of my favorite ones so far. Um, no, I look forward to speaking again, man. All right, I appreciate it, man. Sir, man, keep me on those things. I, I want to, again, you know, sometimes you invite people and they don't come. I promise you those Thursdays were just a conflict of time, but I want to continue to be a part of it and get invites with things that you guys are doing. And, and I, you know, I'll definitely uh, participate where I can. So I appreciate and keep up the great work. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Definitely will keep you in mind, brother. And uh, don't hang up. I know you're busy right now, but we can do a little small little post game after this, man. Uh, <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> For myself, for Sir Royce Brialis, for my uh, co-host, Dr. Raheem Young, and also for our special guest, Terrence Bean, thanks for listening to WTF Interviews, and stay tuned for further announcements.